Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Wednesday, August 18th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. The wine world was under attack in the 1850s. People were trying all sorts of crazy stuff, mustard gas, uh, flooding the vines, burning the vines, hoping things get better. We'll have the story of how Missouri stepped up to save wine in just a few minutes. St. Louis County Executive Sam Page and St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones say the region is ready to welcome at least 1,000 people fleeing the chaos in Afghanistan. The International Institute of St. Louis is gearing up to help with that effort. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports. The International Institute plans to resettle more Afghans as U.S. forces are leaving the country. Afghans who assisted the U.S. government fear persecution by the Taliban. Resettlement agencies need to prepare quickly for Afghan arrivals because Taliban forces retook the country in recent days. Ario Benson is president and CEO of the International Institute. He says there will be a wave of incoming Afghans rather than a steady flow. And what that means is that we need to accelerate our efforts locally to be able to have the capacity if and when that wave comes. The organization scaled down during the Trump administration. It now plans to hire at least five employees to help with Afghan resettlement. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, St. Louis Public Radio. Two St. Louis County Council members want more health initiatives in North St. Louis County. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, the councilwomen say the proposal would address disparities that have intensified during the pandemic. The legislation calls for at least $50 million from the Federal Coronavirus Relief Fund. Councilwoman Shalonda Webb and Chair Rita Days say part of the bill will address comorbidity issues and efforts to encourage North County residents to get the coronavirus vaccine. The legislation follows criticism from other county politicians after Webb and Days didn't support a mask mandate introduced last week. Day says she supports masks, but the county needs to focus on increasing vaccination efforts in communities with low vaccination rates. The mask is not the be all and end all to this. It's vaccinations. We continue to say that. All you have to do is turn on the news and you can see where people who are filling up the hospital are people who have not been vaccinated. The proposal would also cover unincorporated areas that aren't a part of municipalities. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. A judge has extended a restraining order on a St. Louis County mask mandate. The Post-Dispatch reports the judge wants county and state lawyers to work together on the issue. County Executive Sam Page issued that mask mandate last month to slow the spread of coronavirus. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt filed a lawsuit, and the county council rejected a bill to mandate face coverings. In Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker is not ruling out a return to mandatory masks throughout the state. He is praising officials in Chicago for instituting a mask mandate for indoor spaces. Those mitigations can be vital for just furthering the goals that we have to keep everyone safe and healthy. Pritzker is not saying what would trigger a statewide call for masks. Chicago has the lowest COVID test positivity rate of all 11 regions in Illinois and is one of the highest vaccination rates in the state. Positivity rates in other areas like the Metro East and Southern Illinois have climbed past 10 percent in recent weeks. Those areas include counties with some of Illinois' lowest vaccination rates. Some high-risk Missouri residents can now receive a third dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. The Department of Health and Senior Services says it will follow a recent ruling from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
That ruling says transplant recipients and other immune-compromised patients can get a third dose of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. The Associated Press reports federal health authorities could recommend another dose for the general public eight months after receiving a second shot. The center of the global wine industry in the 19th century was not California. It was Missouri, until an infestation of tiny bugs almost destroyed it all. Hungry for Mo producer Suzanne Hogan tells the story of how Missourians stepped up to save wine. Back in the 1850s, the wine world faced destruction. Phylloxera. Phylloxera, a microscopic pale yellow sap-sucking aphid, a louse, was spreading like a plague across Europe's old vineyards. The phylloxera attacked grape leaves and roots, causing the vines to rot from the inside. They emerged from cracks in the soil and were carried by the wind, farm equipment, and people from one vine to the next. Everybody in Europe understands this is a this is an existential threat to the wine industry. Doug Frost of Kansas City is one of only four people in the world who is a master sommelier and master of wine. The phylloxera were originally from North America, but made their way across the Atlantic. By the 20th century, the aphid had killed 70 percent of France's vines. The disaster came to be known as the Great French Wine Blight. But wine producers had no idea why all these grapevines were dying or what to do to stop it. They were desperate. I mean, people were trying all sorts of crazy stuff, mustard gas, uh, flooding the vines, burning the vines, hoping things get better. Meanwhile, in Missouri, the mid-1800s was actually a really high point in the winemaking scene, particularly in the town of Herman, Missouri. Originally settled by German immigrants, Herman had become one of the leading wine-producing regions in the world. The Missouri wine industry also produced two very important men, viticulturist George Hussman and entomologist Charles Riley. This wine guy and this bug guy helped figure out an important thing. Grapevines native to North America had evolved alongside the phylloxera, so they were resistant to it. Riley and Hussman teamed up with French scientists and grape growers to try grafting as a solution. As in, they cut off the old European vines and connected them onto the resistant American rootstocks. Particularly in Europe, the idea that uh, planting these grapevines that brought the problem is somehow going to fix the problem was, was uh, for some people, a bridge too far. Frost says it took a while for this concept to catch on. But by the 1900s, the grafting method proved it could prevent phylloxera from killing old vines. And not only did Missourians like Hussman and Riley figure out how to save struggling European vineyards. They also said, and we'll help. We can get these these vines for you. We'll get them to you. George Hussman and other wine producers from across Missouri sent thousands and thousands and thousands of American rootstocks over to France. The city of Montpelier, France, erected a statue to honor their success. A young woman cradling an older woman in her arms signifying how the new world helped save the old world. And George Hussman? He eventually left Missouri to become one of the founding fathers of the Napa Valley wine industry. Just as the state was on top of the wine production world and right after it helped solve this international crisis, prohibition came down like a hammer. In 1919, alcohol production in the state shut down. In some cases, vineyards were uprooted and barrels were drained. This set Missouri and towns like Herman 
way back. It would take another three decades after the repeal of Prohibition for Missouri's oldest wineries to reopen in the 1960s. That's a major reason why Missouri was overlooked in the wine world for so long. But nowadays, Doug Frost says Missouri is regaining some of that lost ground. We've got some really talented winemakers in the, in the state. Today, Missouri has more than 130 wineries, and there are 11 different wine trails you can explore, including the Herman Wine Trail. Vintners across the state are producing native varieties like Norton, Vignoles, Catawba, and a range of fascinating hybrids. They're making wines that are dry, sweet, semi-sweet, sparkling, and everything in between. Get out there. Go visit a winery, for God's sake. I'm Suzanne Hogan. Suzanne is a producer with the Hungry for Mo podcast from KCUR in Kansas City. You can listen to the entire episode at kcur.org hungry. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.